Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. So we've been in the our nature series, our overall theme for the summer is called nature. And we've been using elements that, um, you know, earthly elements that God used to bring out spiritual truths in his word. And last, like you said, last week we talked about deserts and how he used deserts to give us spiritual truth. But now we're going to be talking about water and how he used water. Um, H2O, you know, uh, what's that movie? I think it's, um, uh, that's some good H2O. What's that? Adam Sandler mean? Water boy, water boy. It's in the name. It's in the name. Water boy. But, you know, water is so essential to our humanity. It's so essential. It's this. An average body, a human body, is made up of 55 to 65 percent water. It's crazy. I got a lot of water weight. Um, um, a newborn baby is even more. It's 78 percent water. Water covers about 70% of the planet Earth's surface, and there's more water in the atmosphere than it is in the rivers combined. Like I said, up to 60% of our body is water, which it can, it can, it's, they said is our lungs have 83% of it, our skin has 64% of water, our muscles and kidneys have 79%, and our bones are, have about 31%. Water is essential to our lifeline of humanity in our lives. No wonder why this month, you know, God is wanting us to talk about what this water can do in our life and how it can be asked the aspect in a spiritual way as well. I was go, I was watching a documentary with my kids and Jess was there too. Um, and uh, I was I was watching them and they were talking about this these two guys that were hiking from the beginning of the Grand Canyon to the end of the Grand Canyon. Anybody seen that documentary? It's on Disney Plus. Okay, go watch it. Um, and it took them about a year. First, they started by themselves. They didn't, they didn't practice, they didn't exercise, they didn't do anything. They just went out there and said, hey, we're men. We can go and do what we got to do. It, they last like three days. They last like three days. They're, they had cuts all over them. It was, a, it was a big thing. And the biggest thing that they said is water. They needed water to survive. So now the second round they go to this, to, they're more planned out. The first thing that they do, every campsite that they go in this one-year journey, the first thing that they do is they try to look for water. And some people are like, hey, they're in the Grand Canyon. There's like a river flowing through. But you got to understand where they're hiking, they're, the elevation's crazy. So they got to find water in different ways because they knew that if the water wasn't there, they couldn't survive. They couldn't survive. No wonder why God uses this element to bring spiritual truth in our life. Today, I want to go into the Old Testament. We've been, we've been kind of sitting into the Old Testament, but I want to talk um, about a story in the book of Genesis. We all heard about it growing up. We all um, we, we, we know about it. If you've been in church, if you haven't been in church, you know about this story. You know about the story. So how great would it be to start the water series with the one person that knew about water? His name was Noah. His name was Noah. Noah was, you know, 
It was an important time in, in the world. And let me give you a little context of where we are. We're going to be sitting here in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, if you want to start getting your Bibles there. Um, but let me give you a little bit of context of where we are in this section of the Bible. So the earth was wicked. You know, the earth was wicked. People were doing some crazy things. And God said, enough is enough. He said, I'm going to wipe them out. And, but God found favor in a man named Noah. He found favor in a man named Noah. Not only did he find favor in a man named Noah, God not only saved Noah, he saved Noah's family. So here's the thing about that. The faithfulness of you can not only save yourself, but you can save generations to come when you're faithful. Because God saw faithfulness in Noah. Not only did he save Noah from this destruction, this flood that was coming, he also saved his family members as well. Here's another thing. God told Noah to build an ark. Noah's like, what? <laughs> what's an ark? What, what, what's, a, what's a boat fit? Because you have to understand, back then, at this time in, 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 in the story, they didn't know what rain was. They didn't know what this water coming from heaven was. They didn't know, why, why do I need to build this boat for something that I don't even know? They trusted, even though they didn't know, in the impossibility. So not only God said, hey, build an ark, build an ark because there's this thing called rain coming. Now you got to understand, like you said, they didn't know what rain was. So it was a foreign language. That, what the heck is rain? I know I see the oceans. I see the rivers. But what is this thing that you got? He got uh, Noah had to trust God, even though he didn't know what the heck was going on. Let's go here in Genesis chapter seven, verse one through five. And let's read. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. You and your household, because I have I have seen that you are righteous before me in the generation, in this generation. You shall take this, uh, you shall take with you seven each of, of clean animals, male and female, two each animals and of unclean, a male of his female, also seven each of birds in the air, males and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy the, from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did accordingly to what God, the Lord, commanded. Have you ever been so mad that, like with your kids or just anybody, you know, there's levels of mad. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? There's levels of mad. Me, I'm a kind of person, I will give you all the grace in the world. I'm like, grace. But when I'm done, I'm done. Like, I, I'm done. Like, it's just, you know, there's no coming back. You know, I'm done. I, I kind of feel like this is where God was. He's like, listen, I'm done. It, 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 the world has gotten wicked. It turned from me. And he said, I, I need to start fresh. How bad would it be that God said, hey, I need to start fresh? But this is where we are. See, people were not doing what God had intended them to do. They weren't living as God wanted them to live. So God used a man with an ark to save a species. We wouldn't be here today without Noah and his family. See, but God had to wipe it out. And people look at this story and they're like, man, God is mean. Like, God is mean. He, he doesn't have grace. 
What do you talk about this grace thing? But you got to understand some things in this story that really impacted, that it shows that actually God, in, in the midst of some people thinking that God was mean and like trying to, trying, to, trying to destroy everything, matter of fact, he was actually saving them from even something even worse. Let's look at, I was, I was really stuttering, uh, studying this, and I heard this all my life. I mean, I've, been, I've heard this in English, and I heard this in Spanish. I went to Spanish church. So all languages are covered with Noah, okay? But I never really seen what God was doing in this thing, in this story, until this week. You gotta, you gotta read this. No, no, let, let's see what God is saying to us in this series. Number one, it says an invite was given. An invite was given. God invites Noah into the ark. Okay, this man was building this ark for. A long time. It said about 70 to 100 years. He was building this ark. And then in the story, if for me, I would be like, I'm in the ark. But if you really read what they're saying here, it says God invites Noah into the ark when it's built. See, the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and your household, because you, because I see you are righteous in my eyes. To come into the ark, the idea is that God was in the ark and would, and would invite Noah and his family to be in the ark with him. Notice that the Lord didn't say, Noah, go into the ark. He said, Noah, come into the ark with me. He said, he said go into the ark. He said, come into the ark with me. See, waiting and receiving Noah's family. See, here's the thing. God already was in the footsteps of Noah of what Noah thought was impossible. See, sometimes in life, we're, we're waiting for God to, to, we're waiting for us to manufacture things, but God is saying, hey, just come as you are. Like, it's already built. It, it's already taken care of. God was in the future of Noah, and Noah didn't even know it, but God needed to invite Noah because maybe Noah was a little fearful of what was going to happen. I mean, God was going to destroy everything. He was going to destroy, but, but the comfort of God inviting Noah in. See, here's the thing. God invites us each and every day to salvation. He invites us. He doesn't force us. He invites us into salvation. See, Noah's family, God said, I will save you, but they still had a choice to get into the ark. We all have a choice. See, I, 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 there's so many people are like, well, why, why didn't God save this person? Why, why God didn't? We all have a choice. And yes, God said, hey, Noah and your family, we're going to build this ark. But they still had to have the faith to go in it, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing that their friends, not knowing that their house, not knowing all their possessions was going to be destroyed on the other side of their protection. But they had to trust God no matter what. God invited them in. Invite, it tells me this, like in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8 says, the Lord, uh, the Lord himself says, he goes before you. It says, he goes before you. He would never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He goes before you. Somebody needs to know that today. God, God is going before you. He's, he's already there. He's already been there. 
So why do we need to be fearful? Why do we need to fret? Why do we need to trust a word of, of a friend and not the word of God? Because if God says it, it doesn't matter how impossible it is. The, the rain, what is that? Ark, what is that? It didn't matter to Noah. All God needed to do was say, Noah, come. Come and be protected. And Noah had the faith to do it because Noah knew that God went before him. God knew the flood was going to come. He was preparing the way. See, God, God said, come, leave there, leave what's going to be destroyed and come where I am. Because where I am, where the Lord is telling you today, where I when you come, where I am, I give you hope. Where I am, I give you peace. Where I am, I give you comfort. Where I am, I give you joy. I give you protection. I give you coverage. Where I am, your miracle is there. But we have to come as we are. God already set the, the he, his foot already stepped in our, in our impossible time. God's foot's already stepped in our, in our future. All we got to do is trust him. Just come as you come and see what you've been waiting for all along. The story of Noah wasn't a, really a story of destruction. It was a story of salvation. It was a story of salvation. God of the impossible makes us confident enough to believe the impossible because we know that he's going before us. He's asking us to come in. He's just not just forcing us to come in. So we can take comfort in knowing when he calls, we can go. And when, we, when, he, when, we, when he calls and we go, we can know that he has everything under control because he has been before us. He's been before us. Number two, not only was there an invite, there was a weight that was issued. Imagine this. This is crazy. I, I don't know how I missed this. But there was 100 years Noah building this ark. Dun, dun, dun. This thing was massive. Go to Kentucky. It's there. I don't know how it got there. But it's there. It's in Kentucky, right? Yeah, it's in Kentucky. <laughs> this thing is massive. He's building day in, day out. People probably making fun of this guy. I mean, we can know they did. What are you doing, Noah? What the heck are you doing, Noah? Are you a fool? I, I, I understand Noah, but I, I put myself in Noah's kids' shoes. Teenagers, your parents ever embarrassed you? It's like, Mom! It's like, kids, we have to get the, the, the wood for the ark today. What is this ark you're talking about? Stop talking crazy. See, we have to understand this, that a weight was issued. Some debate that it took Noah about uh, 70 to 100 years to build this ark. Imagine doing all of this and finally entering into the ark the thing that he prepared for, for the thing that he don't know about, which is the rain. Think about that. He prepared the ark, preparing for something that it was impossible. So now he gets to enter into this. God says, come in. And God says, hey, guess what? Wait. Wait, 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 wait. It's 100 years, God. I embarrassed all my kids. <laughs> it said that he told them to wait. It says in Genesis, Genesis chapter 7, verse 10, it says, and it came to pass after seven days 
that the waters of the of flood were on the earth. They were in the boat for seven days until one drop of water hit the earth. How awkward. Like you finally, you know those people that finally you hype them up for something. You know? You're like, bro, this could be awesome. Uh, yeah. This is where Noah was. Noah's like gutting his family together. Hey, God's going to save us. God's going to protect us. And they're in the boat and they're like, Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, seven days. They waited for one drop of rain to hit the ground. So we, God tells us a promise that he gives us, but then we hate the wait. But the wait for Noah's life was really for, to see if he really trusted God. I was Noah. I ain't holy like Noah, okay? I'll be knocking that door down day three. I had to watch my kids for one day. Friday was my first day with them out of school. Nope. I called my wife and said, hey, find a camp. Find something. Have you been in a car, in a room, in a space with children for more than 20 minutes? Every question is answered. I'm hungry. They didn't have juice boxes back there. You got to get a cow. <laughs> Mom, I'm hungry. Mom, I'm tired. It, it, it probably was, it was testing Noah's patience. Let's take this like real for a minute. We can look at the Bible so spiritual, and it is so spiritual, but sometimes dude, these are real people dealing with real issues. This is a group of families not only together fighting each other, but then you hear moo and ah, and all these animals going crazy. And what's that snake? What's that cockroach? <laughs> this is a disaster waiting to happen, but then there's God. I'm going to wait seven days. <laughs> Don't you hate when God does that? But it's so necessary for your growth. Because God knew that if they couldn't wait seven days, they couldn't wait 40. See, sometimes we want the long-term goal, but we can't be faithful in the short-term commitments. We want the possessions and we want the things that God has promised us, but we can't even be faithful coming to church. We want to be blessed. You know those people say, oh, when I, if I'm rich, I'll give half of it away. You liar. If you can't be faithful with your tithing and your, and your offering and your, and your giving and your, and your time now when you broke, what, what is going to switch in your, I'm going to be more, I'm going to be, hey, this is my money. See, the short-term commitments matter because they lead to long-term promises that God has for us. See, the rain was coming. God knew that. But God had to test their faith in the seven days in the boat for them to be, have the endurance to last the 40 days. So what I'm telling you today is do not curse your waiting season. 
Because your waiting season leads to your promise season. And, and there's going to be things that you, that in your promise season, you don't even know that you need. There's going to be things in the promise season that you don't know that you need to pray for. And if you don't slow down and wait, is it really God's will or is it your will? We have, to, we, have to, we have to come into our agreement to know that, hey, yeah, I built a boat, but God is going to make it float. See, his hands got the thing up, but God was going to send the rain. But see, Noah got to the end of his humanity. I built what God told me to, but I can't bring the rain. So when you come at the end of you, that's when God shines. That's when God shines. God says, hey, you, you did what I told you to do, and that's great. Now wait to what God what I have for you. It might take a year. It might take seven years. But when you wait on the Lord, he's going to renew your strength, and you're going to have the endurance to not only last the seven days, but the last the 40 days that God has for you. A weight was given in the midst of it. Have you ever felt weird and dumb stepping out in faith? But it's not, our, it's not about our feelings. It's about our faithfulness. See, people laughed at Noah. They questioned. They, they mocked him. But Noah was still obedient. They probably said, hey, look at that crazy Christian person. Why is that Christian person fasting? They're going to talk about you. Well, why, why, why? Yo, they don't think they do anything wrong. They're going to talk about you. But we need to trust God's timing and not our feelings. Because Noah could have easily said, hey, forget this. Forget this. But he kept on going in the middle of the wait. See, in between the preparation and the rain, God was building his confidence and his faith to keep on going. Don't feel dumb in the wait because God is answering prayers you don't even know you need to be praying. Keep on going. God's going to reveal himself in the wait. Number three is this. Water came and the door was shut. It said that they waited 40 days and 40 nights. Have you heard of, you've seen that number before? We talked about it in the desert, 40 days, 40 nights. God uses this thing of 40. You know why? It's because it's associated with purification and testing for something that is new and significant that's going to happen. It's, it's a purification of what is something God is doing out of testing and purifying us for something significant that's going to happen. See, Psalms chapter 51, verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. See, God didn't punish the earth because he wanted to. He needed to purify it. What are some things that we hide on the inside 
that nobody knows? What, what are the things on the inside that sometimes come on the, show up on the outside when we get angry? What are some things that God needs to purify us from? Because the water wasn't for destruction. The water was for purification. It's a a symbol of what needs to happen in our life. See, I got, I have a friend. His name's Jeremy. And um, he taught me about water real quick. Jeremy doesn't like spring water. (laughs) Jeremy's a friend. He's an enemy. No, I'm just kidding. But I never knew about this. Growing up, you drink from the faucet. Like, you drink whatever, you know, whatever. But then we got bougie Jeremy coming in my life. And he's like, you, you, you drink spring water? You, you drink Zephyr Hills? I'm like, yeah, what's, what, 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 what's water? Anybody been like that? Anybody like that? Or everybody's strict about their water. But then I put it to the test. And I drink spring water over purified water. And I can't drink spring water anymore. But then Fiji came out. And I got a plug for Fiji, can't tell you. (laughs) It's different kind of water. It's purified even more and it tastes even better. But to get it purified, I had to go through a process. But without the process, it can't taste the best it can be. See, the process in our life for purification, it stinks. It's hard. It's denying our flesh. It's denying what we want to do at times. It's, it's, it's holding our tongue. <laughs> it's holding our opinion. It's not saying the first thing that comes to your mind. It's self-control. <laughs> but when we deny these things, it's changing us on the inside. And guess what? What comes on the outside is a little bit more sweeter. It's a little bit thing called the fruits of the spirit. Where we are love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness. Have you, when's the last time you've been intentional in your kindness? When's the last time where you're intentional in your self-control? When's the last time you were intentional in trying to keep peace? Or are you the person that goes off on Facebook because... You found something on Fox News. See, people are looking at us as an example of Jesus on this earth. Sometimes we need to be purified, take all the imperfect things out, take strip us to the core of who we are so we can grow and be who God's called us to be. See, the water that was coming was to purify all the additives that were into the world because we add stuff to our lives. We add stuff in our lives that don't need to be there. Two years ago, I got in bad debt. It didn't need to be there. But guess what? 
I started shaking, and this credit card just came out of my pocket, and it just started buying stuff. I tried to cast it out, but guess what? It, it was there. But I had to deal with the consequences. But it made me better on the other side. I could have gone to a car dealership and get me a car because I have a good credit because of Eric Powell. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. He challenged me. He challenged me. You need people that are going to challenge you to be better. And then it might be just so simple about finances, but in your life, if you don't, you don't have people to call out your imperfect things in your life, you're never going to be pure. If you have friends that always say, hey, yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, that's not a friend. That's a yes man. You need friends to call things out of you. Be like, hey, you're not, you, sh you shouldn't go that. You shouldn't say that. You if your friends can't check you, then you're not a good friend. We need people that are going to challenge us to be purified in our life so God can wash away all the things that are not of him. Less of me, more of you. So the flood came to purify them. But then it also said that the door was shut. Where's the piano player? It's here. You better come over here before you shut me up. Thank you. It said that the door was shut. And if you read the context of this, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, it said, the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with men forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Think about this. Let me give you that context of what it is. Growing up, we think Noah built this ark quick. Like the flannel board is there in like three seconds. The flood, the dove. From the moment that God gave Noah to call to make the ark, God used a hundred, in between that from the flood was a hundred and 20 years. So God said, people are like, well, all the other people died. Why does God kill good people? Why, why does bad things happen to bad people? It's a choice. Because in my, my little mind, I'm like, this, this happened real quick. Why God didn't give him grace? But God gave him 120 years of grace. A hundred and twenty years to change their life. A hundred and twenty years to receive salvation in their life. It wasn't after a day and night like that. A hundred and twenty years God gave them grace to change. And their will was better than salvation that God had for them. It blew my mind to know that, man, these people had a chance. And the question I have to you is this, is there a time limit to salvation and grace? We're gonna talk about this a lot in church. We're probably not gonna put this on Instagram. I'm just kidding. Is there a time limit to salvation and grace? I would say yes. 
because we're all mortal bodies and we're only here for a time. So that's why we need to take every opportunity that we have. Every minute, every hour is a gift from God. And it needs to draw us to salvation. And that's going to happen by us denying some things in our life. See, God has given us time. God, God has given us the moments. God has done stuff in your life. God has given you these moments of a glimpse of who he is. And we see it on Sunday, but on Monday, we change our life. God is still giving us time. If you have breath in your lungs, you have purpose in your heart, you still have time. But here's the thing. There's going to come a time when the door is shut. The ark couldn't float with the door open. And there's going to come a time when these mortal bodies are going to find an eternal home. And can I be real with you today? There's a heaven and there's a hell. And every moment we breathe, we need to be striving towards one destination. What destination do you want? Because the reality is, God's grace is open to us 24-7. His grace, his mercy, his salvation is open to us all day. But when the door is shut, the door is shut. And the choice is ours. We are not promised tomorrow. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That means he's now writing our story, but there's an end date to our story. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to give you hope that you are not far off, that there is, there is not some special potion we got to put on you. It says, come as you are. You'll wash away your sins as far as the east is from the west. The door is open for you. Salvation is here for you. Don't let it shut. Because we are not promised tomorrow. Us as believers, we should never, our job is not to disqualify people towards salvation. We need to push them towards salvation. And sometimes it's not about a Bible verse. Maybe sometimes it's just for you being available to them. Be kind. Stop being a jerk. Because you're a representation of the kingdom of God. And our job as believers here is to get people to heaven. That's why salvation, this is what salvation does. It makes you live life, life to the fullest. Outside of salvation, you're living life halfway. You're not getting everything out of what life has for you. But when you accept Jesus into your heart, as John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to only kill, steal, and destroy you. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the 
fullest. The door is open to you to salvation today. If you have breath in your lungs, you have the opportunity to change your life forever. God gave them time to repent, but their will was more appealing than the salvation that God has for them. The door is still open. But until that day, when we see Jesus face to face, man, what a glorious day that would be. What a glory. Who's ready for heaven? Have you thought about that before? We, us in, in Christianity, we all talk about, man, God is going to make you a good person here. That's great. But when we get to heaven, we don't speak about heaven enough. There's a place that he prepared for us. And it's our choice where we want to go. Yeah, we're going to fail. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're probably going to fall short. But when we have a pursuit after God, we let his Holy Spirit come over us and change our life forever. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. And again, this is not for sure not spook you like Ooh. this is to give you a wake up call <laughs> that life is short that we're not promised tomorrow so that means we need to take every moment today this open door of salvation is there will you walk in he is calling you in he has opened the door you, you prepared the way and he said hey come in out there, out there where you think it's, it's, it's cool, where you think that you're getting fulfilled, out there, outside of my protection, yeah, it might be good for a moment, but guess what? When you come in, you're fully protected. The, the dangers of the, of the outside are not going to harm you. But when he calls you, we have to walk in. We got to trust him even when he tells us to stop and wait. And we need to take the opportunity that we have to walk into the door of salvation today. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together.